We're going to dive in today to week five of our series called Different. We're going through the book of First Peter together. You know, as a pastor, I've had, uh, I get the incredible opportunity to, uh, to pastor some of the greatest people on the planet. You guys are absolutely amazing. And I get the opportunity to walk with people through some of the highest highs in life. Uh, I get to go to weddings, tons of weddings, and graduations, and baby births, and all of these. I'm not like, not in the baby birth, but you know what, <laughs> after, y'all know what I'm talking about. But I get to be there for these moments of, of immense joy and celebration, uh, which is so incredibly fun to be a part of. Uh, but on the other side of it, I also get the opportunity to walk with people through some of the darkest moments of their life, uh, oftentimes uh, through just tragic situations, deaths, divorce, um, I mean, you name it, um, medical things that, that transpire, kid pain, I mean, all of the challenges of, of life that come with it, you get to walk with people through that. And I mean, you know, all of us are going to experience pain. Pain is... Um, it does not discriminate. No matter how old you are, no matter what your race is, no matter what your background is, no matter what your upbringing is, we all experience pain. If you haven't experienced any pain in your life, just live longer. <laughs> it's coming. You're going to experience it in some way or another. All of us have experienced pain in a multiple of different types of ways, by the way. We've experienced pain, people pain. Um, how many of you have walked through some people pain in your life, like family drama, um, marital struggles, um, wayward children, where you've, you've done all that you can and, and maybe your children are, are, are not serving the Lord and, and it's a really painful thing. How many know there's no pain like kid pain? You can have four kids, three of them can be doing great, one of them's not good, you ain't good. You are not good. However your kid is, that's usually how you are. We've experienced pain from, from people. Maybe you've experienced abuse or maybe you've experienced some form of um, betrayal with a friend or, you know, we've, we've all experienced. So there's people pain and then there's unexpected pain. Unexpected pain can be things that you just did not expect. Um, death, uh, a, a diagnosis, an accident, maybe a job loss something that has come. How many of you have gotten the phone call before? You know what I'm talking about when I say the phone call? Like the phone call that turned your world upside down. Anybody in here has gotten that? This week, I, uh, on Wednesday, I believe it was, I got a Facebook message from uh, a lady that's in our church, and she said, can I have your phone number? Um, we just got some really bad news. So I said, absolutely. I sent her my phone number, and uh, she called me. And she said, Pastor Josh, I just wanted to share with you, uh, my husband, Jordan, um, just got some really bad news, found out that he has a, a mass on his brain, and they are wanting us to, to get shipped off to MD Anderson. And so I said, can I, can I come over? And said, absolutely. And this is Amanda and Jordan Moore. I don't know if any of you may or may not know them. They're from Hathaway. They've been a part of our church for about seven years. And uh, so I walked into the door. Um, with a lot of tears. Uh, I was at his family's house with tears with his mom and dad, Johnny and, um, and Gwen, and Maggie, his sister that was there, and I just sat there with him and um, just heard what was going on and uh, saw all the pain of what was, what was taking place. And so just encouraged them with my story and what God's done in our life, um, shared just scriptures that have been encouraging to me 
Um, but more than anything, just had a chance right there to pray over Jordan. Uh, that night at about midnight, I uh, got a text message from Amanda that said, hey, um, we need to pray. He uh, had a massive headache this afternoon. We went to the doctor, and they found out that he, there's bleeding that's going on in his brain. So they life-flighted him to Houston. Uh, he's, he's on a plane right now, and we're driving there. Um, and then the next morning, I asked, hey, how, how's things going? And pretty much was there was so much bleeding that was already going on. In the moment, he was, he was pretty much on life support. Uh, that's been, and that's been since, um, since Thursday or so. And uh, so we just started praying and, and just trusting the Lord. Uh, they are in the hospital right now. Actually, Amanda is watching right now. <laughs> uh, 33 years old. And I told Amanda that, uh, that we would pray and... Uh, after, after the last service, Stephen and I are going to drive over there to go be with them. At uh, 4 o'clock today, they are going to bring him into an OR room um, because he's donating. He's going to donate his organs. Um, and, uh, and so I want us to pray. I want us to pray for Jordan, of course. Um, I mean, Jordan's, Jordan's good. There was a moment on Wednesday, I, I was telling Amanda this, there was a moment on Wednesday when I was there with them, and Amanda looked at me, he said, uh, not Amanda, uh, Jordan looked at me and he said, Pastor Josh, he said, I'm good. <laughs> he said, I'm good, I, I, know, I know where I'm going, I'm, I'm fine. He said, I'm worried about her, and he pointed at his wife, pointed at Amanda and his kids. This man loved Jesus, and this man loves his family, and Amanda, I want you to know we love you. We love you. And um, for Warren and John and Amelia, your children, and Johnny and Gwen and Maggie, uh, our hearts are with you. And so I want us to pray. I want us to pray for this family now. Um, we've had a couple of deaths that have happened. I don't know if Cindy's in the room as well. Is Cindy in the room? Where, Cindy, where are you at? Cindy just lost her husband this, this week as well. Um, Cindy, we love you. God, we love you so much. And... Um, you know, the Lord is, is near the brokenhearted, and, um, and, he, and he comforts us when our spirit and our soul is crushed. And so I want us to pray. I want us to pray for the Moore family and for their extended family, and I want us to pray for Cindy as well that is here and their family. Um, death is, was never God's design, never God's design, um, but it's a part of a broken world that we live in. But I'm just grateful that we serve a God who's got greater hope than death. And how many know death is never the final word? Death is never the final word. Death is never the final word. Um, and so today, let's pray. Father, we, we come to you right now. Lord, we lift up Amanda. Lord, we lift up their children, Johnny and Gwen and Maggie. God, all of the family that's there, it's around Jordan right now. God, I pray, Lord, that the presence of God would be so strong in that room, so strong in that room. God, I pray right now, Lord, I thank you that your word is the only thing that anchors us in moments where we are just all over the place. God, where we've been crushed by news. God, where we find no hope in the situation that we're in, but we thank you that our hope is always in you. We trust in you. And God, I thank you that even when we have hope, we still hurt. 
we still hurt. And so, Lord, I pray that you would just be with them. Lord, I pray, God, even today as, as he goes into this operating room, I thank you, Lord, that life begets life. Life begets life. Lord, we thank you, Lord, for the gift of life. God, we pray over Cindy right now. God, we pray, Lord, over her and, Lord, just the loss of her husband. But, God, thank you yet again that it's not a loss. God, it's a goodbye. Lord, it's a see you later. Lord, we thank you, Lord, that death never has the final word because of your resurrection. And so, Lord, I just pray for peace and grace, 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 life, 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 and the peace and the presence of God with both of these families. In Jesus' name. And everyone said? Amen. 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 One Sunday, we don't have tissues on the floors. What's going on here? Um, today, I want to talk to you, and it is, I, I did not write this message because of what has gone on this week. This is literally what's next in the text. So I know that it is only the providential, um, I'm good. Right, thank you, though. I'm good. Um, I'll use a shirt or something. It's all fine. <clears throat> it is only providential that God would have me on this Sunday after walking with, and our church is walking with a couple of people through pain, and many of you that are probably even walking through pain in your own life in different capacities, that we would find ourselves in a portion of, of passage of scripture in 1 Peter 3, where Peter is writing to a church that is undergoing immense pain. And so I titled today's message, How to Have Hope When Life Hurts. And I want us to read a passage of scripture today in, um, in verses 8 through 12, and and hopefully, if anything, today, no matter where you are in the spectrum of pain right now, that you walk out of here with at least some hope. Because if there's anything the enemy would love to do is to steal hope in the midst of hard. So uh, I am normally the upbeat pastor that loves to have fun, and I still do. But at the same time, um, we have to confront something that is a reality that all of us face, which is that life hurts it hurts. Um, but that does not um, negate that the fact that we can have hope in the hurting. You can have hope in the hurting. And so it says in verse 8, finally, all of you should be of one mind, sympathize with each other, love each other as brothers and sisters, be tenderhearted and keep a humble attitude. Don't repay evil for evil. Don't retaliate with insults when people insult you. Instead, pay them back with a blessing. That is what God has called you to do, and he will grant you his blessing. That is what God's called you to do. He will grant you a blessing. For the scripture says, if you want to enjoy life and see many happy days, keep your tongue from speaking evil and your lips from telling lies. Turn away from evil and do good. Search for peace and work to maintain it. The eyes of the Lord watched over those who do right, and his ears are open to their prayers. But the Lord turns his face against those who do evil. Can we just go to the Lord just one more time um, and ask him just to come and speak? So, Holy Spirit, we, we need you. God, we need you. And Lord, I just pray right now that you would um, illuminate your word. I thank you that it is alive and active. I thank you, God, for the incredible work that it does in our hearts. God, I pray more than anything, it would not be my words, but your words would go forth because it is only your words that bring life. It is only your words that bring hope. It is only your words that bring peace. And so, God, would you give us ears to hear what your word is saying to us today? 
We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. How do I have hope when life hurts? I've got four thoughts for you today. Number one is this, stay connected. Stay connected. Now, I want to walk you through what I would call the progression of pain, the progression of pain. As I shared just a minute ago, that we have moments in our life that we incur pain. Something comes into our life. It could be people pain, marital pain, relational pain. It could be unexpected pain. It could be tragic. It could be something like this that happened. Literally, Amanda didn't know one week ago that she'd be where she is today. And all of us in here have probably had some encounter or some experience with that in your life where there's been that. And, but how many know there's also self-inflicted pain? Pain that we are experiencing in our life because of our own decisions, our poor decisions, or our sinful desires, or things that we have done that we know we shouldn't have done, but we did it anyways, and, and now we've got pain in our life that comes from this. And so the, the first part is that this pain comes. Let me tell you the second part of this. The second stage is it goes into shame. That the moment that you experience some kind of pain in your life, the very first thing that can often come into our mind is that shame enters in, especially if you've got relational pain or you've got something that's going on with your children and, 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 and man, I don't want really people to know about this. I don't want them to know that, that, that I really struggle in this. Or, you know, you come to church and you, 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 you outwardly are portraying to everyone that life is good and your marriage is good, but really, it's not. But, but there's too much shame to that to come public about it because the moment I come public about it, people that see all these Facebook photos that show us smiling, they realize we're faking. And they realize like, oh man, it comes with shame and maybe you've got a job loss and there's shame or maybe you've got to declare bankruptcy and there's shame or maybe that there's been something that's happened in your life and it's brought shame and, the, and there's an embarrassment that, that comes with that. Did I not pray enough? Was I not good enough? Did I not do this enough? Do I not do all the stuff that comes into your life that creates the shame over your life? And then when it comes and the shame comes into your life, it leads all the way to the third stage, which is isolation that you begin to isolate yourself from people and from uh, places and so many things. You stay in an isolated, bubbled world because you don't want people to know that you're walking through pain because you don't want them to know the shame that's attached to the pain. And so therefore, we isolate ourselves. And let me tell you why I believe we isolate. I believe we isolate because we think, we think that we are protecting ourselves from ever being hurt again. But what we fail to realize is actually what we're doing is we're imprisoning ourselves in the pain. Yes. You're, not, you're not actually protecting yourself from getting pain anymore. You're just isolating yourself to stay in a place of pain. And so this would be the incredible strategy of the enemy to get you isolated at the moment that there's shame. Maybe there's something that you did that you're so shameful of. And, and so you're going like, I'm not going to go to church. I'm not, going, I'm not going to church. Anybody, come on, this, let's just be honest here. Anybody ever woken up on a Sunday, some pain in your life, and you're like, I just don't want to go to church today. Can we just, anybody's honest in here? Seven, eight, nine, 10, 12 people honest. Okay, a little bit more now. Uh, can I raise my hand here? And this and go, like, days I didn't want to go. Oh, you're preaching. Okay, I have to go. So like... Moments where you don't want to go, moments where, moments life group night, you're like, I just really don't want to go. I don't want to go. I don't want to have to, I don't want to have to go and face people. I don't want to have to fake it. I don't want to have to go to fake it. I'm going to have to go and I'm going to have to fake it. We're going to have to pull into the, to, to the, to the church. We're going to go in. They're going to have all these friendly greeters and they're going to be like, hey, glad you're here. And you're like, I'm glad to be here. I hate him. <laughs> but you don't say that. You just, you're just doing that. Or there's something that's going on, there's turmoil that's inside of you, but you don't want, I, 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 I hate it. Everybody's going to ask me how I'm doing. 
Everybody going to ask me how I'm doing. I don't want to face that. I don't want to face that. And so what the enemy does is because of the shame that's there, he tries to isolate. And he puts you off to the side because of whatever you're facing, there's shame that gets attached to it in some form or some fashion. And you detach from what the body, the Bible calls the body of Christ. There's a reason why the scriptures call the church the body of Christ because you are a part of the body and you need the body. And the body needs you. This week I took my, my, uh, one of my sons to uh, the doctor because he was having these swollen lymph nodes that were happening in his neck and he was having them in different parts of his body as well. And so we went and we sat down with our doctor and we're like, what is going on? What's happening? And as he did inspection, he found out that he had some sores in different places on his body. And he says, his body's fighting these infections. And the reason why his lymph nodes are swollen is because this lymph node's trying to fight this infection on this scar that's here and this, this scab that's here, and this thing that he's got here, and he's got some on his leg and that part of his body, that lymph node. Because what's happening is part of his body was fighting another part of the body to bring healing. How many know the enemy would love for you to stay disconnected from the body so you don't get healing? You think that you're isolating so you never get pain again. The problem is you isolate and you never get whole again. You can't cut off an arm and think that you're going to function the way that you're designed. We are called to be the body of Christ. And when you're in moments of pain, there's shame and it wants you to isolate from that. But how many know Christianity is a team sport? It's not me, it's we. Me needs we. Well, Pastor Josh, it's just me and Jesus. That's all I need. I just need Jesus. That's not even biblical. It's not even biblical. Yes, there's a private relationship that you have with Jesus that's very, very vitally important, but it was never meant to be private. It was always meant to be public because you can't get through life on your own. You need the body of Christ. You need people in your life. You need the family of God to come in and help you in these moments. I'm telling you, this happens all the time. I, I see it happen all the time. I'll, I'll go to Walmart or something, and I'm going down an aisle, and I'll, you know, I'll catch someone. I'll see somebody that's on the end of the aisle, and I haven't seen them in a long time. And, and I know that they saw me, but they don't want to acknowledge that they saw me, but they, they, they saw me, and so they go to the other aisle, and I'm like, oh, okay, let's go down. I, I guess I need some beans. <laughs> I will go track them down. And I'll come out, bump into them, and they'll be like, oh, Pastor Josh. And I'm like, hey, what's going on? I start asking how they're doing. And then I'll say this, where you been? Because by the way, most people will leave a church. They won't tell the pastor, they'll just leave. Which by the way, if you're gonna leave, just tell me. I'll, I'll bless you, I promise you, please go. Where you been? And they'll, this, this is almost 90% of the time, It'll usually go, well, you know, we just kind of been busy right now. You know, we just got this. I got work and I got stuff. We got this thing that's going on. We got this that's going on. And yeah, I mean, you know, my wife's going through all the health stuff and we got this and we got that. And I always usually will say this. I'll say, you know what? It sounds like you need family. You know how the enemy works? Is that when you go through pain, he wants you to pull out. But you know what you should do? Press in. You should press in. Well, Pastor Josh, what if they find out that I'm really not perfect? They already knew. <laughs> what if they find out we're not doing as good as they, they think we are? They probably already know. Because Peter would tell them, press in, stay connected. 1 Peter 3.8, finally, all of you should be of one 
mind. Peter would say, don't get disconnected. Fight isolation. Stay connected. Why would the enemy want to isolate? Because the moment that he can isolate is the moment he can bring discouragement, is the moment that he can come and bring lies, is the moment that he can come in and do some of his greatest work. So listen, I, I get it. Because when you're in pain, you're walking through stuff, the last thing you probably want to do is be around people. I get it. But it is important that you are with some people that love you, that care for you, that will walk you through it, that can help carry burdens. Many of us are carrying burdens that other people would love to carry with you. Let them carry it with you. And Peter would say, hey, you need to make sure that you stay connected. And if you're walking with people or you've been with people who are going through pain or going through isolation, let me show you how you can help them. The next verse, it says this. Can we put that? It says sympathize. Can we put that up there? Sympathize with each other. Sympathize with each other. This, this word literally it, uh, can be translated as sympathy or empathy, that we, we, we step into it. We feel I love what Dr. Henry Cloud said. He wrote a book called Boundaries, which is an incredible book. He said this, when we empathize, we put ourselves in another person's experience. Empathy leaves them with the feeling of being deeply understood and that you're with them. If there's anything that you and I can really understand when it comes to people walking through pain is, that when people are walking through pain, when people are hurting, listen to me closely, they don't want you to fix their pain. They want you to feel their pain. They want you to in, in, in enter into it. Not that you have to go through every similar experience that they have. You don't have to go through what they go through in order to feel their pain. You just need to be there to empathize with the pain. And listen, as men, we get this wrong a lot, a lot. Because our wives will be sharing things that they're feeling and all of this stuff. And, and instead of giving empathy, we'll give them the plan. Let me tell you what you should have done. Woman, this is what, how I many know you just lost? You just lost. Husbands, listen to me. She doesn't want you to fix her. She wants you to feel her. That was in a moment for every woman in here to say amen to that one. That was that, that, too late. They're going to be fixers now. You didn't say amen. So they're stand fixers. All right. Like. This is when people are walking through pain. This is a moment for us to step in. Yet again, not because we've maybe have similar situations, but just to say, I'm here. I want to feel it with you. I want to grieve it with you. But we live in a society nowadays where we go, suck it up. Get over it. Move on. Shouldn't be a big deal. Why are you making a big deal out of this? We don't cry. And whatever type of situation or upbringing that you were raised in, we, we're, we, we're off-putting people's feelings and what they're doing. Listen, you can't correct somebody's feelings. It's how they feel. It's how they feel. All you can do is enter into the feeling with them. And of course, there's times to bring truth and there's times to bring correction. There's time for a plan and there's times to work those things out, but it's not the first thing. And Peter says, the first thing that we do, if we want to be people of hope, if we want to bring hope back into people, the quickest way to bring hope back into people is to sympathize with them. Hey, that must be hard. Hey, I don't, I don't fully understand what you're going through, but man, help me understand. I'm here. 
I want to listen. The second thing, if you want to have hope when you're hurting, is to guard your heart. To guard your heart. Look at the next verse. It says, love each other as brothers and as sisters and be tenderhearted and keep a humble attitude. If there's anything that the enemy will do, and I'm gonna, uh, you probably have seen this in your own life or you've definitely seen this in other people's life, is that one of the things that pain does is pain hardens hearts. Whether that has been someone has inflicted pain on you or whether that's been pain that you've caused in your own life or that could be pain that's been caused by no, none of those. It's just unexpected pain, but it's coming to your life. And, and if you've experienced that, there's a very high chance that you can gain a hard heart. Say, well, how, how does that happen? Because oftentimes, if you've been disappointed by people over and over and over and over again, you eventually get to the point to go, I'm never going to trust people. I'm not doing that. I'm not doing that. I'm not doing that. Or if you've gone to the doctor and the doctor keeps saying the same thing over and over and over, and then it gets good, and then it gets bad, and then it gets good, and then it gets bad, and then it gets good, and then it gets bad, and then it's bad, and then it's worse, and then it's worse and worse. And you're like, I, I've, I've trusted the Lord. I've prayed the prayers. I've read the scriptures. I've declared things. I've done all this, and it ain't working. And I'm so upset. And if we're not careful... The enemy can use pain to not tenderize you, but harden you. But here's the beauty. The Lord can use pain to tenderize. That we walk through seasons. And here's one of my prayers I pray over myself and over my wife all all the time is, Lord, would you give us tough skin and tender hearts? Because when you work with people, it's easy to get a soft skin, and tough hearts. But over the course of time, if you've walked through pain in any regards, Peter is telling us, hey, you need to stay tenderhearted. Stay tenderhearted to people. Stay tenderhearted to the Lord. How, how do you do that? Let me tell you one of the ways you can stay tenderhearted to people. There's a couple of ways this, but the more you understand someone's story, the more grace you give them. You ever been around people who are like, they're just always mean. It's always, always got an attitude, always this. Hey, because behind where there's heat, there's always hurt. Everywhere you see someone that is a certain way, they're despondent, they're, they're, they're off-putting, maybe they're whatever way that there is, they are towards you, it's usually because underneath that, under the surface, there's some hurt somewhere. You ever been around a dog that's gotten hurt? You go to touch it, what does it do? What does it do? What does it do? That was, pretty, that was pretty good, wasn't it? it was pretty, that was pretty good. Because it's, it's happened to me a lot. All right? You ever had your wife when she's hurt and you go to touch her? No, 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 no. That wasn't as good. Okay, sorry. I, that was maybe over the top. What you fail to realize, though, is that when you get that reaction, you take it personal and you don't realize they're going through pain. It ain't about you. It's usually about them. Something's going on in their world that's causing them to respond the way that they're responding. That's, that's why you get the next verse, which is honestly, if you want to really live out this love that he said, love your brothers and your sisters, if you want to really live out real love, he says this, don't, everybody help me, don't repay evil for evil. Don't 
retaliate with insults when people insult you. Instead, you're like, I'll pay them back. Let me tell you how I'm gonna pay them back. But you pay them back with a, with a, with a blessing, and that is what God has called you to do, and he will grant you his blessing. That when people are walking through pain, if you wanna be someone who has hope and pain, understand that when people are walking through pain, they're gonna, they're gonna say things to you, they're gonna do things to you, there's gonna be things that, that come to you that, that, that seem so off-putting, and, and Peter's going, hey, listen, when people are walking through pain, don't, don't push that off. No, 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 don't retaliate the same way that they speak to you. Don't, don't share insults for insults. Don't, don't do to them what they're doing to you. How many know this is really easy to read and really hard to live? Can I get some honest people in the house? Way easy to read. Don't retaliate. Don't repay evil. Pay them back with a blessing. Yeah, I know. I just don't like doing it. Me neither. But it's what we're called to do. This is, what, this is what makes us so uniquely different than everybody else that are not professing Christians is we are called to bless those who hurt us. We're called to love those who hurt us. We're called to, to serve those who hurt us. Now, don't mishear me. There's importance of putting boundaries in your life in certain ways and not always being a punching bag or a doormat. I don't always stay in relationships that are constantly hurting. There, there are some safeguards that you should do there. But, there's, but we oftentimes will do that too soon. And so this scripture is telling us that, that in these moments where you wanna respond in a certain way because of what has happened to you, don't be, be careful, guard your heart, guard your heart. How many of you know that you cannot control what other people say or think about you? Y'all know that? Shake your head if you know that. Okay, watch this. But you have 100% control of how you respond. When I hear this, they made me do it. Oh, they like took your thumbs and said, hey, we're going to type this in Facebook like they did that? No, they didn't do that. What they did is they just exposed a spiritual immaturity in you. That's all they did. Because watch this, spiritual maturity is revealed by how you treat those who mistreat you. You can tell how spiritually mature someone is by how they treat those who mistreat them. And so Peter's going, hey, you wanna have hope when you're hurting? Hey, when you're hurting, guard your heart, because watch out, because when you're hurting, you're gonna wanna lash out to people when you're hurting and you've gotten all these emotions inside of you, you're gonna, you're gonna, wanna, you're gonna wanna let some things fly out your mouth. You're gonna, wanna, you're gonna wanna do this. Like, be careful there because he's gonna now dive into verse 10 and he says, for the scriptures say, if you wanna enjoy life and you wanna see happy days. And let me just poll the audience here, those that are online. How many wanna enjoy life and see happy days? Anybody here? Okay, good. I just wanna make sure we're batting 100% here. I do too. I do too. And isn't it awkward that, and, and a bit weird that Peter is coming to us and talking about enjoying life and having happy days in the midst of pain? How do I have, how do I have happy days and how do I enjoy life in the midst of pain? How do I do that? Well, he says, keep your tongue from speaking evil and your lips from telling lies. Be careful what is coming out of your mouth when you're speaking 
We've said this countless times here at our church. If you've been here for any duration of time, this is not going to be anything new to you, but I wanna show you how this plays out in your life, and that is this. The quality of your life is determined by the quality of your relationships. The quality of your life is determined by the quality of your relationships. If, listen, you could have a million dollars in the bank, and if your relationships aren't good, you aren't good. You are not good whatsoever. It is not, it is not well with your soul. Yet again, parents in here, how I many know your job could be going well, your home could be going well, but if you've got a wayward child, how I many know you aren't good? You're not good. If the relationships in your life are not good, you are not good. I had a guy in our church, literally Friday, two days ago, called me up, said, Pastor Josh, just pray for me. I said, what's going on? He said, the Lord's been speaking to me. I said, okay, about what? What's going on? He says, uh, I just wanted to let you know today I'm putting in my, my, my notice. I'm resigning from my job. Now, this guy has a job that makes well over six figures. He's very high up in the company. He's doing really, really well in the company. And he says, I'm, I'm, I'm done. I'm, I'm, I'm resigning. I'm not, I'm not doing it anymore. I said, what, what brought you to that? Why would you do that? He says, because I'm losing my family. This job has consumed my life. And I'm losing my marriage. I'm losing my kids. And I'm, the Lord is speaking to me so much about priorities and what I, what I need to do in my life. And I'm going and I'm going to, I'm, I'm, I'm quitting this job. And I said, okay, so where are you going next? He said, I don't know. So wait, so hold on, check, check back. So you're quitting a job. You don't know where you're going to go next because you want to put your family first. He says, yes. I said, come on, man of God. Now your job is to provide, so you need to go find another job. But how many, listen, how many know God will make sure he's got another job? Y'all with me? He's going to make sure he got another job. This man's got plenty enough money in the bank. You know what he's missing? Relationships. Which, by the way, that matters the most because I've been at most deathbeds and they can care less about how much money that their dad made. You know what they wanted to know? Was dad there? Was dad there? I'm trying. I'm trying. That's what I do. So watch this. Watch this. The quality of your life is determined by the quality of your relationships. Let's take it another step further. The quality of your relationships is determined by the quality of your words. You want to know how good your relationships are? It's going to be contingent on how good you're speaking to one another. How good is your communication with one another? Is it life-giving? Is it hope-filled? Is it encouraging? Or is it demeaning? Is it critical? Is it always, is it always harsh? Every time we talk, we're always in a fight. Yeah, so I bet the quality of your relationship's not pretty good, doing pretty good right now. Because the quality of my relationships are determined by the quality of my, of my words that are coming out of my mouth. What am I speaking into my marriage? What am I speaking over my kids? What am I speaking into my life? Because my words have life. My words can either build up or, or, or drop down. They can, either, they can either take someone higher, they can take someone lower. They can crush people or they can heal people. My words have power. Your words have power. There's power. There's life and death in the power of your tongue. This is why we pray. This is why we speak God's word. This is why we do what we do. If, 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 and if you're having communication problems, I can guarantee you you're having relationships relationship problems. Guarantee it. Because the quality of your life is determined by the quality of your relationships, and the quality of your relationships is determined by the quality of your words, and the quality of your words are determined by the quality of your heart. So Peter says, hey, make sure you guard your heart. Why? Because if I guard my heart, I'm going to have good words. If I have good words, I have good relationships. If I have good relationships, I have a good life. Everybody seeing 
Everybody, everybody watching this flow that's here? So, well, Pastor Josh, what does this have to do with hurting? What does this have to do with having hope in the midst of pain? It has everything to do with hope in the midst of pain because the immediate thing that the enemy is going after, he's not going after your life. He's not going after your relationships. He's not going after your words. He's going after your heart because if he can get your heart, he can get all that other stuff. Are y'all with me? This is so huge for us. This is why Proverbs 4 says, guard your heart above all things for out of it flows. Out of it flows the issues of life. Out of it flows determines your life. So what does it do when you get hit? What does it do to your heart? What does it do when you get hurt? What does it do in your heart? And maybe you're in a place like, I don't, honestly, I don't know where my heart is right now. I think my heart is bitter. I'm bitter towards God. Okay, then let's start there. That's okay. Let's start there. I'm hurting from a father who abandoned me. Okay. Let's start there. I'm going through a, a health crisis right now and it's taking everything within me. Okay, let's start there. What does it look like to submit our heart to the Lord to say, God, I trust you? Can we trust God's heart when we can't see his hand? And can we guard our heart in it to stand on the things that we know that are true. That God is good, even when life is not. Easy to say, hard to live. But it's how you have hope in the midst of the hard. Number three, if we want to have hope, when it hurts, look up and look back. Look up and look back. Look at 1 Peter 3, verse 13 through 15, says this. Now, who will want to harm you if you are eager to do good? But even if you suffer for doing what is right, God will reward you for it. So don't worry or be afraid of their threats. Don't worry or be afraid of the threats. Instead, instead, you worship, must worship Christ as Lord of your life. Don't worry about the pain of what people are bringing into your life. Don't worry about the problems that you have that are coming into. Don't worry about the struggles of what you have that's going on. Don't worry about that. Instead, instead, Worship Jesus. Worship Jesus. Look up. Look up. Why would he tell us to look up? Why would he say, look up? Worship Jesus. Because oftentimes the problem with our pain is our perspective. The pain is not the problem. The perspective with the pain often is the problem. Yet again, we can be hurting and we can have hope. I'm not saying that we need to hurry up and go, go past our hurts and be like, oh, we just need to get over it. We just need to worship Jesus. I'm not saying that. I'm saying, can you worship Jesus in the hurt? Can you, can you look to Jesus even when everything's going on around you that's not good? How, how do we come into this place and say, God, God you're, you're better? Because watch this. The enemy would love for you to focus on the pain. Pain. Pain, pain.
pain. I wake up every morning in pain. I wake up every morning, I think about past pain. I wake up every morning, I think about current pain. I'm, I'm just consumed with pain. I mean, it's just pain all around me, which is now hurting my heart, which is now hurting my relationships, which is now hurting my life. And Peter goes, hey, listen, when you're going through pain, you want to have some hope? Look up. Look up. Worship Jesus. Worship Jesus. Why do we worship Jesus? Because worship transcends emotions. I don't worship Jesus because I feel like it. I worship Jesus because he's worthy of it. I worship Jesus not because my feelings are dependent on it. I worship Jesus because my faith is predicated on it. Jesus is worthy of it all. And this is what happens when we get our eyes up. And we're not just looking at the pain around us and in us and on us, but we get our eyes up. Worship is an exchange. Ready? Here's the exchange. God, here's my hurt. And God goes, and here's my hope. And we go, God, here's my pain. And God goes, well, here's my purpose. Are y'all with me? We, we, we exchange the things. God, here's my problems. And God goes, here's my presence. Here's my presence. Notice he never usually even fixes the pain. You're still in the pain. We're still in the pain. We're still in the pain. But we say, Jesus, you're worthy. Jesus, you're worthy. Jesus, you're worthy. Jesus, you're worthy. To worship you, I live. To worship you, I live. I live to worship you. Come on, can we just take a moment right now? Just right here where we are, whatever is going. And to worship you, I live. And to worship you, I live. I live to worship you. Come on, whatever it is that's going on right now in your life. Come on, can we lift up our voices and sing it? To worship you, I live. And to worship you, I live. I live to worship you. You are worthy. You are worthy. You are worthy of it all. Come on, let's turn this place. To worship you, I live. Come on, let's tell them out. To worship you. I live, I live to worship you. There is none God, there is no God like you. Come on, tell them that. And to worship you, I live. And to worship, I live, I live to worship you. We long to worship you. There's none like you.
And I just want to teach y'all just for a moment how this works. I've done this in a hospital room. I've done this in a car. I've done this in my house. I've done this walking this campus. I've done this walking streets in front of my neighborhood. As I just begin to, every problem that I have. Listen, I've got, a, I've got a phone full of problems. I write them down, all the things that I'm working through, all the things that I'm going through, all this, I write them down all the time. I share those before the Lord. But there comes a moment where you gotta put the phone down, you've gotta put the stuff aside, and you go, God, I'm just gonna focus on you because I don't know what to do right now. I don't know how to handle this right now. God, I don't know what to do. Come on, I mean, no, you gotta get your eyes off yourself. Come on, we sing. Come on, we sing it. begin to declare who the Lord is to you. This is what it means to worship the Lord. It's not just singing songs on a screen, but man, we lift up our voices to the Lord of who he is. So right now, can we take 30 seconds? Come on, church. Maybe you've never done. What is the Lord to you? Who has he been to you? You're my father. You're my peace. You're my peace. You're my advocate. God, we worship you for who you are today. Come on, one more time. I live. I live. I live. Oh, come on, sing that one more time. And to worship you, I live. I live, I live to worship. Worship is an exchange. And oftentimes the reason why we are in such a place of discouragement and depression is because we're holding on to things we were called to cast upon him. The Bible says to cast your cares upon the Lord for he cares for you. We're holding things we should be casting. And then we wonder why we're struggling in the ways that we're struggling. We're holding on to bitterness. We're holding on to guilt. We're holding on to shame. We're holding on to regret. We're holding on to, to sickness. No, God, I release this before you today. God, we give this to you. God, we believe, Lord, for healing. Whether it's on this side or on the other side, you are a healer. You're 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 worthy. You're worthy of worship. Go ahead, grab a seat right there where you are. We're gonna stay in this attitude, but I gotta finish this message. Because we're not even done. We're not even done. 
We're not even done. We're not even done. But tells us to look up. Peter says, hey, look up. But he also says, look back. Y'all keep playing. Y'all keep playing. Helps it. Helps it go a little better. All right. Says, look back. Everybody say, look up. Everybody say, look back. Come on, one time. Everybody say, look up. Everybody say, look back. So if look up is worship, watch this. Look back is your testimony. Let me show you how this works. Your greatest pain can be your greatest platform because it gives you the greatest opportunity to share your greatest hope. Let me say that again. Your greatest pain can become your greatest platform because it's gonna give you an opportunity to share your greatest hope. When you look back at what God has done, how many of y'all gotta look back? You got, a, you, you got a little rear view mirror here. You look back and you go, I didn't wanna go through that. I didn't like going through that. But because I went through that, let me tell you what God did. Let me tell you how I met God in the midst of it. Let me tell you how God has been faithful. Let me tell you, I, I, man, I don't, I don't see it. I'm telling you, our perspective with pain is often the problem because you just saw pain, but what you fail to realize, and I think there's gonna come a day when we get to heaven and God's gonna go, let me show you the behind the scenes of what I was doing in the midst of this. I don't understand why some people die early. I don't understand why tragedies happen. I don't understand why some of the pain that we go through. I can't tell you, I don't know why that is. All I do know is that God is good, that God is working, and if I look back over my life, he's been faithful, he's been faithful, he's been faithful, and I pray. I pray that I can say that no matter what transpires in my life, whether I get the miracle or I don't get the miracle, whether, whether God answers the prayer the way I want or if he doesn't, that I can look back and see what God has done. Because he says, if someone asks you about your hope as a believer, always be ready to explain it. If someone looks at your life and they say, you look different, there's something about you I don't know what that is. And you go, hope? Can I introduce you to hope? Let me introduce you to hope. Well, man, I know what you went through in your marriage. Man, I know what you went through in your sickness. Man, I know you, what you went through with that family. Yeah, 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 I know. But let me tell you, the hope that helped me get through all of those things, that is my story, that is my testimony. Revelation says it this way. They've defeated him by the blood of the lamb which is the cross that was paid for our sins, but they also de defeated him. Who's him? Satan. They defeated him by the word of their testimony. So we defeat him, yes, by what Christ has done on the cross, but we also continue to put Satan in his place when we declare what God has done in the past. This is what God has done. This is who he is. So listen, if you've been through bankruptcy, guess what? You got a financial testimony. You're still here. Last time I checked, if you've been through divorce and you've been through some tragedies or some hardships in your, in your relationships and a marriage or whatever, come on, you've got, you've, got a, you've got a relationship testimony. If you've been sick and you're no longer sick, you've got a physical testimony. Even in whatever capacity that is, that maybe it's not yet again being answered the way that you are, God's still with you, God's still in it, God's still faithful, and you're trusting him that the outcome is gonna be better than what you're currently sitting in right now. But you've got a testimony to look at what God has done. Here's why this is so huge, because every time you share your testimony, uh, we, we were just talking about this. Jerry and I were just talking about this. If y'all know, Jerry got like literally healed of a massive heart. He, he was going in, going to have stents. Got in, the doctor said, nope, no stents. 
That is an incredible testimony. He's telling me, he's like, man, I've been sharing that story everywhere I go. I'm like, you should. You should. You should. You should. You say, well, Pastor Josh, what if I prayed and it didn't happen? And that's a real reality. What do I pray? What if I pray and pray and pray and it doesn't happen? Then I don't have a testimony. No, 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 no. You do have a testimony. Here's the testimony. God's walking me through it. God's with me. God's with me. God's giving me peace. God's giving me peace in the midst of it. Sharing your testimony of what God has done in the past only gives you power for what God can do in the present. As I look back and see his faithfulness. Number four, we're done here. We need to focus on the cross and the resurrection. Focus on the cross and the resurrection. All, every single one of our messages, we've been kind of ending going, hey, let's look at Jesus. Let's just look to Jesus. We talked about honor. We said, let's look to Jesus. We talked about marriage last week. We said, let's look to Jesus. Now we're coming back to the end of how do you have hope in suffering? Let's look to Jesus. Why do we look to Jesus? Because the last time I checked, that man suffered. I mean, no, we've got a suffering savior. When, he, when you go through pain, Jesus can look at you and go, I know how you feel. Well, I've been rejected by people. Well, last time I checked, Jesus was too. Well, I've been mocked and criticized by people. Last time I checked, Jesus was too. Well, I've been hurt by people. Last time I checked, you didn't get crucified by people like he did. And yet on the cross, he says, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. So Jesus goes, I know what people pain's like. I know what physical pain is like. I know what abandonment pain is like. I know what rejection pain is like. I know what it is to lose someone. I know what it is to be cut off from your father when you're hanging on a cross and you need your daddy and your daddy ain't there. I know what that's like. I've been in those pains. I know what that is. He knows the pain. And so he says, remember, remember, it is better to suffer for doing good than if, if, God, that, if that is what God wants than to suffer for doing wrong. Christ suffered for our sins once and for all time. He never sinned, but he died for sinners to bring you safely home to God. Come on, how many know just that alone is enough? He's done enough, yet he suffered physical death. He suffered physical death. There is nothing that you and I can go through that we don't have a suffering savior that cannot say, I know how you feel. Watch. But, everybody say but. It's always good when that but's there because he suffered physical death, but he was raised to life in the spirit. He was raised to life in the spirit. Here's why we need to focus on the cross and the resurrection. We focus on the cross because we have a savior who knows what pain is. How many of you would agree that, that the stripes he bore on the back were painful? How many would agree that the thorns on his head were painful? How many agree that the nails in his hands and his feet were painful? How many agree that the spear in the side was painful? He understands pain, but we can't just focus on the pain. He says, but, yep, I died, but, but we also are people who understand the resurrection. And the resurrection says, I was down, but I'm up again. Three days later, I'm up again. We have a comeback faith, people. Does it hurt? Yeah. Does it hurt? Yeah. But we have hope. Is there pain? Yeah. But we have the promises and the presence of God on the other side. We've got the cross, but we also have the resurrection. Don't stay in the cross when you also have the resurrection. You may be down, and I can 
I can almost imagine the enemy on Friday. One on Saturday, two, and then come to Sunday and he goes to three and Jesus is like, I'm back. I'm back. I'm here. I'm here. And last time I checked, here's why this is such good news. We're not, we don't have hope because we're that good. There's a difference between a biography and a testimony. A biography is about all the things that you did. A testimony is about all the things Jesus did. You don't have a biography. You're not the hero of your story. Jesus is the hero of your story. And he went down and he got up. And Romans 8 says this. How many y'all believe the Bible is the inspired word of God? It's 100% true. Watch this. Romans 8 says, and if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, then he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life, give life, give life to your mortal bodies because of his spirit who lives in you. So if we are hurting, which we often are, we're going through pain, Jesus is encouraging us today. I know what it's like. I went to a cross. I understand pain. I understand the loss of a child. I understand the loss of relationships. I understand the disconnections. I understand that. But realize that the same spirit that raised me from the dead is the same spirit that can get you back up again. So yeah, you've fallen, but you can get back up again. Yeah, you're discouraged, but you can have hope again. Why? Because of Christ and who he is. I don't care what you've done in your life. If it was your pain that you caused because of your own sinfulness and selfishness, or it was something that happened to you, Jesus says, that is never the end. There's always hope in me because of the cross and the resurrection. That same spirit that lived in Jesus, that rose him again, is the same spirit that will give you hope for your marriage, hope for your children, hope for your body, hope for to walk through these times in your life. And you say, well, okay, well, what does all that mean at the end? Well, in verse 21, he ends and says, and that water is a picture of a baptism which now saves you not by removing dirt from your body, but as a response to God from a clean conscience. This is what he says. All of this, all that we celebrate, the death, the cross, and the resurrection, the power of Jesus Christ, all of that is a picture of baptism, which is you don't get baptized because it cleanses you from your sin. You get baptized because you've already been cleansed from your sin. It is, a, it is a picture to the world of what Christ has done on the inside of you. 27 times in the scriptures when someone says yes to Jesus, the next thing that they're called to do in their spiritual step is to get water baptized. Why? Because water baptized yet again doesn't make me saved. Water baptized tells everybody in the world I am saved. This is what he's done for me. This is what God has freed me from. This is what God has healed me from. This is what God has done in my life. It's the same as a, a wedding band, which I actually forgot mine at home. Y'all don't tell Lindsay, please. Um, but a wedding band does not make me married. A wedding band shows I'm married. Y'all get it? So when we go and get water baptized, which we're about to do in just a moment, people are gonna make that declaration of faith. What they're doing is they're coming out of the water saying, this is what God has done in my life. This is what God, and I'm gonna symbolize that today. So um, I, I, wanna, I wanna do this. If you are getting baptized today, I'm going to go ahead and I'll let you, escort you out to the foyer back there. You can go ahead and, and get ready there. Um, 
And I am going to make a call. I'm gonna make an appeal real quick to those that are in the room, first and foremost, that need to get saved. You need to be born again. You are here in this room. Maybe you came for someone else's baptism or maybe you're just here for the first time and you're like, I don't know exactly why I'm here. I know exactly why you're here. Because God called you here because maybe you saw a video about, we're gonna talk about hurting. Maybe you're walking in a hurting place. I need you to understand something, that you have a savior who knows what it's like. And the greatest hurt you could ever experience is a eternity apart from God. That's the greatest hurt you could ever experience in your life. But Jesus came and he lived a life you couldn't live and he died a death ultimately for, for, for our sins, for our shame. He took all of that on. God's not mad at you. God is inviting you into a relationship with him today and he calls you to our Savior's Church whether you're watching online or you're here in the room and he's calling you today to make a public declaration and say, today I wanna be born again. I wanna be made new in Christ. And if you're here in this room, the Bible says that we will confess with our mouth and believe in our heart that Jesus rose from the grave, that you too will be saved. You will be born again. God comes on the living on the inside of you and he begins to transform you from the inside out. And if you're here in this room with all eyes open and all heads up, and you say, today's my day for me to make a public declaration for Jesus. I wanna go all in for Jesus. If that's you, I want you on the count of three to stand up. One, two, three. If that's you, come on, stand up all across this room. Is there anybody? Thank you, thank you, thank you. Anybody else? Anybody else? Thank you in the back. Anybody else? It's your moment. Holy Spirit's calling on you right now. If you're online right now, if you're online right now, let us know, let us know, let us know. Thank you for standing, thank you for standing, thank you for standing. You can grab a seat right there. We're gonna, I wanna pray over you, and then I wanna pray for all of us as we get ready for baptisms today. Father, we love you. God, today, Lord, I just pray for those that just said yes to Jesus, saying yes. That's, Lord, what a bold faith to stand up and say, today, I'm feeling it. I know this is what the Lord is calling me to do. God, I pray today, Lord, as they've made that declaration, that you not only would save them, but I pray, Lord, that there would be a beginning process of transformation that comes from the inside out. Draw them to yourself. Thank you for paying for the shame and guilt that no longer is there anymore. God, I pray, Lord, that they would not only experience your forgiveness, but I pray that they would experience newness of life. Old things are passed away, and behold, all things are new in Jesus' name.